Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning, Glory Church. I am excited. Excited this morning because next week our pastor is going to be back, right? Woo! So I feel like John the Baptist. I'm not John the Baptist, okay? But I'm preparing the way for a pastor. And I feel that God is doing something new. So today, we're going to dive in Ephesians 4, the second part, starting at verse 17. And we're going to talk about new life. New life. How to step in the new life that the Lord has prepared for us. So... Let's dive right in. The Bible says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. As the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through the sinful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed. There's a version that says branded. Branded as you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and, cl- and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, let's do it. As we dive deeper in Ephesians, here, the apostle is taking a more serious tone. He's, he's, he's landing. He's landing the ideas that he was talking before. He's getting serious for, for one reason, because I believe the apostle has in his mind the spiritual warfare that was happening in Ephesians, in, in Ephesus when he got there. This was where the, te- the temple of Artemis, also known as Diana, a goddess that was believed to be the goddess of song, that, that they believe he, he spread disease between women and children. It, this, this was where his temple was. The temple had a thousand dedicated sex workers because they believe that she was the goddess of fertility. Not only that, uh, they have sorcerers, magicians were practicing witchcraft. Magic, divination, necromancy. They were practicing all sorts of evils. And the apostle had in his mind what the Ephesus were facing. For Paul, there was a sense of urgency to teach Christ's revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is with this urgency and problems in his mind that he started tackling the chapter 4. I believe that for us today, we are facing similar issues, although with different names. For us, we are bombarded day after day 
in our work-life balance, we work and work tirelessly, steering up away from God. Social media, full with sexual innuendo, going after our kids and, and portraying all sort of evil. Uh, not only that, also, we have these magicians and sorcerers working in a more sophisticated ways where they attack the mind and they're intellectual now and they're, they're placed in, in positions of government and power and they are designing the policies that drive whatever we do in our day-to-day -day life. We are overwhelmed by these evil forces, these dark forces, and we fall, we find ourselves between the good and the evil constantly. So I believe this is the idea Paul is trying to tackle when he is writing to Ephesians in the chapter 4. He starts telling them, you are no longer living in the futility of your mind. The futility of your mind. I have a few words that I believe are important for us to understand what futility is and means. It means vanity. It means emptiness. And it means uselessness, uselessness, something that is not useful. When we live and operate in the futility of our mind, we lose our psychological ability to understand truth so we can practice it. Comes from refusing to live a life in the light and the revelation that God has brought to our life. This is important for us to understand. When we don't, when we are prone to believe a lie that the word is telling us, we lose our ability to exercise our, our mind in the truth. So our perception gets distorted. And this is what it's telling them. You knew the truth. The truth was put in your heart, in your consciousness, but you decided not to practice it. And as they didn't practice the truth, their, their mind become dull and monotonous without understanding what God was trying to, to tell them. So when you Set yourself apart from the truth. When you know it, your understanding starts to darken. It clouds your mind. You don't see the truth. You don't receive the truth. You don't want the truth. And then you fall to ignorance. Peter said that we were, we were brought out of darkness to, to the light of Jesus. So how come we are constantly facing the temptation of defaulting back to ignorance and darkness? The apostle says that the reason why we fall back to darkness is because of the hardness of our hearts. This is an issue that Israel faced too. This is an issue that we're facing today. Our hearts become really hard. We don't, we, we're not sensitive anymore to what God is telling us because we decided knowing the truth, we, re we receive the truth, but we don't, we don't like the truth, so we are not going to practice the truth. And we default to the lie. We lose our psychological ability. Our psychological ability. Our senses are darkened to understand truth so we can practice. I have a principle here that I think is important for us. When we do not intentionally seek the truth to practice it, our understanding becomes dull, steering us farther away from God. You receive the truth, you know the truth, but you don't practice it every day. It's steering you farther away from God, although sometimes you don't realize it. So the apostle introduced the test with these beautiful concepts and ideas. You receive the truth. You know the truth. The truth is in yourself, but you choose constantly not to practice the truth. What is the reason why we don't practice the truth? The, the reason why we decide not to practice the truth is because we are prone to not submit ourselves to authority. An authority can be not only our pastor or leaders, it can be a manager. It can be a friend or a partner. And you say, like, how is a friend an authority in my life? Friends are people that we trust and we receive advice from them. So whenever a friend is giving us an advice, he's working from a position of authority. So a friend is also an authority. So... What is the truth? Where do we find the truth? How do we get closer to the truth? We're going to get there, but we're going to talk a little bit about our former manner of life and what 
the apostle means when he said your former manner of life, the, the old way, the, your old self. That's, this is something that he works a little bit more in another letter, but basically it's our nature. It's the way we were created. It's our flesh. It's, 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 it's what we do. It's like our desires. And he is saying, you are not more in your own manner of life. We knew about you. We know about the Gentiles. We talk about the Gentiles in chapter two a little bit. And he's saying, "Don't do as the Gentiles do." He's he's not using this concept as he was using it in chapter two. Here he's saying, "The Gentiles live in ignorance. They practice evil. They practice uh, sinful practices." So you that are no longer Gentiles, you know your family. You're part of the kingdom. You knew the truth. You the truth was revealed to you, and you were brought together. You were brought near. Don't live at the Gentiles. Do. Don't practice evil. Your, your former manner of life is the flesh. It's that desire prone to evil. It's that fallen nature that we have and we constantly struggle with because we don't, we don't want to hold on to the truth. The unwillingness to forsake our old manner happens when we do not submit to our authority, keeping the Holy Spirit from bringing the complete experience of God powerful, God power in our life. When we do not submit to our authority, whether it is church, our boss, our manager, our friends, it's because we, whether it is because we have a different opinion or a different point of view, you have to know that God put the authority on your life and that authority have the ability to see things that you don't see. When your pastor calls you out, he's not calling you out for his own benefit. He's calling you out for your good because he wants you to draw closer and grow in the character of Jesus. When we disregard our boss or manager for not meeting our, our, our criteria or standard, it doesn't matter if he meets or not our criteria. Sometimes we are the ones who don't meet the criteria. But we have a beef with our boss. And we don't like the boss because he's just bossing around. We're not submitting. We have, a, we have an authority issue. We don't submit to the truth and the authority that God has put in our life. When we do not value or honor the virtues of a partner, a friend, of, or any type of relationship, we might engage in. And that's... Going back to our friends or our partner, when we don't, we don't value their opinion, their virtues, we are undermining their authority and therefore undermining the truth that God is trying to express to them, we're falling in our own manner. I wrote an anti-principle to the old manner and it says, taking but not giving. We are willing to take as much as we are given However, when it comes to us having the opportunity to give, we lack sacrifice and submission shows up. So we take and take and take and we take from everyone. But when it, it's time for us to give and submit to the authority, to the people around our life or, or just to, to let go for a little bit, you know, uh, this anti-principle take up because we're, we're selfish, our, our old manner is operating, and I, I can see Paul seeing this constantly happening in the church, in Ephesians. It's like it's, the welfare is so, so real, it's so true. There's so much happening around. They are so overwhelmed that they are taking but not giving. We go to church every Sunday, we take the sermon, we, we hear it, but we don't practice it. We are defaulting to our own manner. Oh, yeah, they said that. It sounds, it sounds good, and the Christian culture today Constantly tell us, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And there, there might be some truth to that. But it's also when we are expecting God to meet our standards and to show up for us, he's also expecting us to show up for him. Taking but not giving. I take, I take all I'm given, the opportunities. Uh, I take the advice. I take this. But when it's time for me to give, to sacrifice, to submit, so I can leave the truth of the Lord, I don't practice it. It's an anti-principle. 
the principle will be putting off our old self requires submission to God's word and the authorities in our life. His abundant truth will shed light in the places we need transformation. The, there's some issues in our own manner. It's corrupted with deceitful desires, desires that are not true, desires that come from the world, desires that are, are sporadic, they are temporary, they are not going to last any longer, desires to be prone to lie, desires to be prone to, to slander someone else, desires to destroy relationships, desires to, to fall off the authority and identity in Jesus Christ, which is bring us together in truth, in love, in kind heart. So those deceitful desires are, are driven by lies and thoughts that are put in our mind by the world, the people that are around us. The, an the antidote to that or the, what the apostle says, you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by tasting, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. One of the practical ways to renew our mind is to be exposed to the truth of God. Day after day. I'm going to dive a little bit more, doing a contrast on that. But one of the ways to renew your mind is to change the lives of the world with the truth of God. Another way is to submit to authority. Sometimes that authority, it may be a father, your pastor, your boss, is telling you that you need to do something. It's requiring you to do something that you might not like, but it's for your, for your better good. It's, it's for you to build up in the image of Jesus. You have to submit to authority. The authority of the Bible, the authority in your life, and practice truth every day. Truth needs to be practiced, not only belief. Truth needs to be exercised so our, understand, our understanding becomes become sharpened in the truth and what truth is. So we can discern what is good and what is not good. He said, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be comfortable with what the world is offering you or telling you, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's not only renewing your mind, it's also transforming, being transformed in the image of Jesus. The new self is created after the likeness of God and is operating in true righteousness and holiness. Separated, separated. Holiness, apparently, in the church we live today, seems to be a little old-fashioned. It's not practice. It's not cool anymore. It's not trendy. But holiness is the, is the only trend in the spiritual. Holiness is the requirement that God is asking us to live in, to face what the world is offering to us. We have to be separated so we can, we can bring the kingdom of God to this earth in true righteousness and holiness. Separation. Separation from the world so we can be transformed. So... To renew our mind, we read and study the scripture every day, and we practice it. We read it, we practice it. We read it, we practice it. We pray, we pray, we pray constantly, God, this is my weakness. This is what I'm struggling with. This is my old manner showing up for me. This is my old practice. I, I personally have old manners that, that tempt me to show up for me every now and then. I, I am a person that I used to isolate myself when I feel overwhelmed or something is going on. I don't answer messages. I don't want to be with people. I just lock down. Literally, I lock down. And when that happened, the Lord requires me to bring it to prayer. So when I bring it to prayer, he's going to push me to the people that are going to speak truth in my life. You have to search yourself. For the weakness that constantly show up. Is it a corrupted conversation? I like that the Bible said that a corrupted, an evil conversation. This is the King James Version in Corinthians. An evil conversation corrupt good manners. So sometimes you got to be careful with the conversation you have and the things you're hearing. The things you're hearing. 
Because the way you hear, the lies you hear, can overwhelm the truth you were given and the promises of God. Another way to renew your mind is fight the lies with the truths and promises of the Lord. Fight lies with truths and promises of the Lord. Think rightly about your identity in Christ. Think rightly about your identity, your identity in God. Think in community. And I wrote, a little, I wrote something here. Community is important because you are as protected as the people you surround yourself with. You are going to be as protected as the people you surround yourself with. They will speak the truth over your life. They will call you out when necessary, out of love and understanding of the Lord. They will cover you when it gets cold. When, it, when, when things get hard, the people around you are going to cover you. They're going to put a mantle on you. They're going to cover your life. Think in community. Don't be isolated. Don't let the lies of the enemy push you out because you are as protected as the people you surround yourself with. What are the motivations then to forsake all behavior? And now we're going to do a little contrast between lies and truth. Because the reason why we default to all manner is because we start taking in the lies that are given to us every day. So the first point is to put away the lie. The lie. And the Greek word for lie is pseudos. And it means lie, deception, and falsehood. Lie, deception, and falsehood. We tend to believe the lies of the world instead of the promises of God. Making our words, thoughts, actions flow from that worldview, thus created, creating a counterculture of that of the kingdom of God. Creating a counterculture to that of the kingdom of God. Why? Because we are operating through a lie and a deception and a falsehood. I, for me, I've been called insane. I've been called extreme. I remember when I decided to go to seminary, my father came to my room and he said, I heard you enroll in seminary. And I said, yes, I want to understand the Bible more. I want to I wanna be trained. I want to be equipped to do what I think God is putting in my heart. And you know what he said? He said, I'm going to take you to the psychologist because you are insane. That's a lie for, from the people in our life. And that lie fed me for so long, I was like, I'm probably insane. And I mean, you know, like, because I wasn't operating through the truth of God, that he called me to be equipped, he called me his son, he called me that, he told me that the world don't see the sins he sees, but I used to believe the lies. Because it made a stronger impression in, my, in me, and the reason it made a stronger impression is because I decide to believe a lie. We decide to believe a lie. It's not because it's stronger than the truth. The truth is stronger. It's, it's more powerful. But we are prone to believe the lie. And it makes a bigger impression. So I thought, well, maybe I'm insane. I remember in another situation, I, I was invited to a Christian party. It was a Christian party, right? And because I show up, someone called me, oh, a string holiness. What are you doing here? You're the most holy person in the church. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I... I don't really understand that. And moving forward after that, I always hear, you're a string, you're a string, you're too string, you're too string. And those lies kept feeding me. When it comes to memories, we engage with the lies we were told instead of the truth of God. That God called me to be his son, to step in his promise, to be holy. But the world called me extreme. You are extreme. You are insane. What are the lies that has been told to you? What are, what are the lies that has been spoken on your life that have made a bigger impression? And they keep bringing that old behavior, that old manner. They, they keep bringing, they keep, they keep making you fight with the promise and truth of God and preventing you from growth in the image and character of Jesus. 
then what happened with the lies is they become so permanent, repetitive, that they create pain. And when pain happens, we stop believing the promises of God and substitute then with the lies of Satan, the world, and the people. So the more we're exposed to lies, the more we keep substituting, changing, taking out the truth of the Lord and putting the lies, putting the lies. Because we're less and less exposed to the truth of God. So what is the antidote of believing lies and falsehood and deception? It's speaking truth. As simple as that. And the word for truth is aletheia, which means that which is in accord with what really happens, not limited by historical fact, not limited by historical, historical fact. I love that it says that which is in accord, in accord to what really happens. We remember that chapter 1 talks about living in according to what the Lord said, living in according to redemption, living in according to inheritance, living in according to, and according to, we remember, is like a, like a, like, like a river that flows down, right? So the truth flows down from God, and we have to choose to step in the truth. We have to choose to be showered by the truth of God every day so those lies are removed from our life. Moving, moving away from opinions, criticism, Worry, complain, even perceptions of people, perception, and stepping into, stepping into the flow of the river, stepping into the flow of the truth that comes from God. Only communicating with our tongue reality as God defines it. Because the truth is reality defined from God. It's the definition of reality. It's how God sees reality. It's how God defines Finds reality, no, as we see it. Perceptions can be vitriolic for our well-being and how we behave in the house of God. Because perceptions are built from other one, someone else's perspective. And their, pers their perspective are sometimes tarnished by their childhood, their culture, the way they live. And we should reject those perceptions. Because we have identity in Christ. Because we live the truth. No matter what the criticism is, what the worry is, what the complaint is, what is the truth? What is the truth? How is God defining you against the lie of the world that is trying to define you and push you out of the truth? What is the truth that was spoken over your life? What is the truth that the Bible says? What is the reality that God is speaking over you? The principle here is the truth of God is the antidote for the lies of the world. When we stand in the truth of the Lord, we are building our house in solid foundation. So the way to face the lies is to stand in the truth. To stand in the truth. The truth is powerful because the truth, according to God, is not defined by the world. It's not a half-truth. It's a truth. It's, it's, what, it's what Jesus prayed over the disciples. He said, God, sanctify them in your truth. What you are telling, what you are talking, what you are speaking, your truth. Sanctify them in your truth. I love it because whatever the, the world say, it's not my reality. My reality is what God is saying about me. So in Ephesus, the church was facing all these sorcerers and magicians. They were, they were practicing all, all kind of evil. And I believe that the apostle is seeing son and hearing probably when he was in jail that some of the believers of Ephesus were prone to default to that old manner, all the, those old ways of life. But he's saying, be careful, be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be transformed. Be transformed from a, deg a degree of glory to another degree of, of glory. Be exposed to the world according to 
God, the truth, the truth. Then he switched a little bit to work some of the behaviors that he sees are against what the truth of God is. He says, be angry and do not sin. The word for angry is orgizo, to provoke or enrage, become exasperated. And he's not saying you're not allowed to be angry. You are allowed to be angry. And I read in one of the commentaries that the angry is talking here, like the angry is mentioning, it's about like injustice and the lies and whatever was happening around. They were angry and at the injustice that was happening. But it also talks about our angriness, our frustration to things and the way those things happen around us. We want it to be one way and they are another way. Don't be provoked or enraged. Don't let some go down on your angry, on your pain. You know why? Because it builds up. It's like a compound effect. You're angry and then bitterness start building up. And then it has roots. The Bible said it has roots of bitterness. And when you are bitter, when you let bitterness to control your life, you are forsaking. You are rejecting God's grace in your life. And it, if it, the way I see it, it's like if it has roots, it means that it has a trunk and it also has branches. So it starts building up. It's a compounding effect. And then you get bitter. You are bitter for something probably trivial and small that happened, but then like other things start bothering you and, and you, you are bothered, you are angry at people, you are angry about situations and your bitterness is, is building up. Your compound, it's a compound effect. It's just constantly branching out to your family, to your work, to, to the relationship you have in your life. So be angry, be orgizo, and do not... Sin. Don't let the song go down on your bitterness. Don't let the, go, the, song on the, the song go down on your bitterness. The Greek word for sin is hamartia or amartano. It means miss the mark. There are some other concepts that the apostle used, but I like this one, amartano. Because it's, it means miss the mark. It's like throwing an arrow to a mark and you miss it. It, it entails the idea of setting goals for yourself, right? When we set a goal and we don't meet it, we're sinning. We're, we're committing a sin. We're missing the mark. But, but also, and more, most importantly, is the goals and standard that God himself has set for ourselves and we don't meet that goal. We miss the mark. He has set the expectations very clear, but we miss the mark. We miss the mark. When we miss the mark, we don't, we don't meet the goals that we have set for ourselves. But more importantly, we miss the mark when we do not meet the goals that God has set for ourselves. And now, I want you to hear this. This is very important. This idea is intertwined with hesitation. And a double mind, which James says is inconstant in all his ways. You know what you have to do, but you don't do it. James said, for those who know good, but they don't do it. But for those who, do, who know the truth, but they don't do it, for this, it is sin. For this one, it is sin. To be angry and hesitate on dealing with it. To be scared and hesitate on submitting your fears. To be worried and hesitate on surrendering it. Surrendering it. To be hurting and hesitate to forgive, to forgive, to let go, to let go. Because sometimes it's damaging your person more than it's damaging the person that hurt you. But you are hesitating to forgive. 
you're hesitating to surrender your worriness. He continued to say, nor give place to the devil. The Greek word is topos, and it means occasion, opportunity, or license. So when you, when you are angry, and you sin, and you let the, the sun go down over that anger, you are giving the, the devil a license. You are authorizing him to bring occasion and opportunity to do whatever he wants, to introduce his life, to introduce his life, a license. You're authorizing the enemy to introduce his life, his lies in your life. Nor give place to the devil. If we go back to Genesis, his strategy hasn't changed at all. He told Eve, so it is truth that God told you? You see how he started the interaction? He's, he's taking the truth of God and he is changing it. He, he's, he's distorting the truth. He said, it is truth that God tell you. It is truth. And then he went on to introduce his life. So he subtly took the truth of God, distorted, and introduced a lie. Don't give him a license, an opportunity to introduce his lies. What are some of the behaviors that Paul called him to remove? He said that bitterness... Rage, wrath, clamor, abuses of speech, and all wickedness. There's in Galatians, of course, he goes deeper in this, and he said fornication, sexual impurity, slander, lies. All these people that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now he's saying, remove. Remove this behavior from you. Bitterness. Bitterness, anger. Remove it. Because it's preventing God's purpose to fulfill God to fulfill his purpose in your life. Abusive speech, this is one that caught my attention. Sometimes we believe we're really smart and we use abusive, abusive speech all the time thinking that we're not hurting everyone. But it's important for us to think that what comes out to our mouth, to, through our mouth tells a lot about our heart. And the idea of heart is not what we think, what is in the chest. In Hebrew, the word heart means a place of reasoning, where reasoning happens. So it's talking about the mind. And that's what he's saying. Renew your mind. Because from the abundance of your, your mind, your mouth talks, speaks. When we use abusive speech, slander, when we take the reputation of someone else to destroy and distort it, we're damaging the body. And he's saying we are one and we have to take care of each other. So he started wrapping up with the idea, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What, is, what he's really saying is that this behavior, this all manner, defaulting to this all manner, Make, make grievance, make the Holy Spirit sad because you're hurting the body of Christ. No one that, is, that has the Holy Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to use their words to damage, to destroy. He said, that's why he say, use your word 
to building up whenever it fits the occasion. That people are looking forward to, to hear what you have to say. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By engaging in all behaviors, by committing sin, by ignoring his voice, and therefore quenching his fire. His voice is within us, and he talks to us. He speaks to us about evil and good and what we have to do, how we have to behave. But when we decide to ignore his voice, we're quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're grieving him, and therefore we are darkening our understanding. The idea of mine, the apostle is saying, well, Renew the spirit of your mind. What does that mean exactly? The spirit, does the mind have spirit? He's talking about the mindset, the attitude. Like how we set our mind to do things in our day after day. One of the ways, the most powerful way is to change lies for truth. I was forsaken and abandoned. The truth is, that I was adopted. There is a, a spirit of adoption on me. And I'm part of the kingdom. I don't have the spirit as other people have it. The Bible said that he doesn't withhold any of his goodness. So that means that I also have the spirit as everyone around me. I am not prepared. The Bible said that we are competent in Jesus we are competent. We can do it. We have the ability within ourselves to do what God is requiring us to do. I think one of the biggest issues for the church in Ephesus was an identity issue. They, were, they, they weren't clear who they were in Jesus. They had all these ideas, pervasive and ubiquitous ideas around them that were fighting for their, their identity and they couldn't step into the calling of God. They couldn't step into the identity that God really gave them. It was an identity issue because they were substituting the truth of God with the lies of the world. It was an identity issue because they couldn't find themselves stepping into the truth constantly. They weren't practicing what the Lord told them and taught them, the way they learned Christ. It was an identity issue. They were falling. They were going from one way to another. They were falling, different, uh, falling different, in different lies that people were practicing in Ephesus. It was an identity issue. An identity issue. They were constantly practicing sexual impurity because they were struggling with their identity. That who knows who God is. They have the strength to flee the evil, to flee Satan, to not engage in corrupted conversation that are going to lead to all behaviors and all manners. Sometimes we wonder ourselves, why am I doing this? It's very likely it started with a conversation that you probably shouldn't be part of. And that conversation starts distorting your identity in Christ. Let me tell you something that is important for us. When there is sin among us, we, believe about, we think about thing, sin as something individual. But sin is also corporate. And when there is sin in the congregation, when there is sin happening, God has to slow the work he's doing so he can stop and heal the person that is struggling. So that's one of the things I believe thinking in community is so powerful because what I do not only affects me but affects the people around me. If I choose today to believe a lie, that lie is going gonna, is gonna to provoke a dominoes effect in the way I interact with the people around me. So that's why we have to think in community. I was told a lie. It's not, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Okay, I was told a lie. I'm going to substitute it. But if we practice truth, 
we're going to become strong. Our understanding is going to sharpen. And then it's going to be so, so quickly that we're not going to even realize it. Oh, I was spoken a lie, but the truth is this one. I was invited to do something that is sinful, but it's, the truth is this one. I'm thinking that my behavior is going to help or hinder my community. Help or hinder my community. I believe this is what Paul is trying to tackle. God is calling us to remove all behaviors from our life. For all behaviors interrupt the work that God is doing in our life. It also slows our community from fulfilling our corporate mission as God has to deal and heal those who practice this manner. Those who practice this manner. So I'm going to start wrapping up here. And there's, there's science behind changing all manners, right? And what I'm going to try to do is to combine science with the Bible. So Science says that to build a new, new habit, it takes 21 days to build a new habit. Uh, there's a neuroscientist called currently Leaf, and she proposed that to make that habit stick, it takes 63 days, around two months, right? So what are the habits? Because we're not only, it's not only about building habits, it's about practicing the truth. So how do we incorporate those new habits in such a way that we can practice the truth, that we can live the truth, and we can exercise our understanding so that truth is our, is our common goal. The way to do this is engaging with the word of God day after day. Realize, be intentional about the thoughts, not listening to your thoughts, because your thoughts can be tricky, but talking, speaking out to your thoughts. There's a lie to come, substitute it with the truth of God. I am loved by God. Oh, I was abandoned. I was forsaken. No one cares about me. No, the truth is that God gave his only son because he loved me. And by that, doing that during two months, two months, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stick there. It's going to stick there. And as soon as a lie comes, slander or whatever, you're going to say, I'm not going to participate on that because it hurts my community. It spread as infection through my community, slowing down. The progress that God is making. I invite you to step in and I want to pray for you. We're going to wrap it up there. What is the truth that God is speaking for us now? Is that we belong to this community. The truth is that the spirit of the Lord, the one that, that helped Jesus to be risen from death, is within us. We are here to remove all behaviors. I want you to think for a few moments, for a few seconds. What are those old behaviors, those old manners that keep coming to my life and they are hindering the people around me, my community, my partner, my friends? What are the lies that the devil has spoken over you and what is the truth the truth the truth is that God is building his church and the doors of hell wouldn't prevail against it the truth is that you were called to live in holiness forsaking abandoning removing all impurity all all practices that are hindering you, your partner, your friends, your community. The truth is that God is here to help you deal with those old manners. The spirit of the living God is here to help you. The truth is that there's no price the world can pay for you. Because God has given you value. You have a worth. You are son sons and daughters of the most high 
God. The truth is that you are covered. You are covered. You are protected. He is with you. He's walking with you. We speak the truth over the lies of the enemy. We step into our calling, our identity in Christ Jesus. That we are chosen. That we are children of the most high God. That we have the power to conquer the challenges in front of us. It's going to take hard work. It's going to be challenging. But we can do it because he is with us. The truth is, the truth is that he is with us. Father, I pray, Lord, help us to bring those images, those pictures in our brain of lies that has been spoken to us. And those lies keep prompting us to do things that you don't, you don't, you don't like, you don't, you don't approve of. Those lies keep us from meeting your criteria, your standard. Those, those, those lies prevent us from fulfilling our common purpose, our common goal, from growing as a church. Those lies slow our progress in your church. So bring it to our mind today so we can speak truth over those lies. The truth that your spirit is within us, is walking with us, is for us. That you're not withholding any good. We cast out all the lies, all the lies, Lord. We submit. From now on, we're going to submit. Even if it's hard and challenging, we're going to submit to the authorities you have placed in our lives. Because we want to be holy and separated. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.